morning. This is Father Kelly Edwards with neither a homily nor an account of pilgrimage. But I did want to share some godly coincidences. You know, I don't want to just say it was purely random chance. I'm pretty sure it wasn't that. That's the whole point of sharing these things. But they were things that coincided in a godly way. So two things, two, two and a half things. Uh, last night, I just, well, I, I got home from a long day of lots of stuff, um, though one of the things I got home from was an occasion where the bishop and some other people had come up here uh, for a little thank you event for some fundraising purposes. And as I explained to them, you know, they had asked me how my day was, of course, and I said, oh, it's been tiring. I've been to the city for something. And then I realized, wait, you've come up here and had probably even more to do, more to do today than me. I guess I shouldn't complain to the bishop about being busy. Anyways, God bless him. Pray for him. He, well, there's a reason his hair is all white now, but it's for a good cause. So uh, I'd been to that and had come back to the rectory after dinner and could have fallen straight into bed, was ready for it. But one of the things I've been trying to work on lately, thing trying to be more focused about, is to give myself time to rest and to think. It's one of those things where it seems like I used to have lots of, what do you call it, time for reflection. That's not the right word. Um, recollection. No, what am I trying to think of? Lots of, I don't know, free time for the brain. Let's call it that. It seems like it used to be a pretty common part of my experience. Um, contemplation, that's the word. Um, you know, I was not, I've never been monastic in my schedule per se, but I have this strong sense that uh, back in the day, whether it just was because I you know, had a bike ride or a walk to campus or who knows what, um, more time spent just pondering, wondering, um, enjoying, in a certain sense, that kind of true recreation of uh, having the brain be free to think of whatever and not have any objectives. I've noticed a lack of that in my life, and it makes everything... Uh, work, work, work all the time. And so, oddly, even though I came home and was very tired, could have gone to bed, I thought, you know what, no. I'm going to do, maybe not quite a holy hour, but an intellectual hour. So I sat at my desk with nothing in mind. I had my journal, I had some, you know, the things that are on my desk, lots of books and who knows what else. Um, but with no objective plan, just to give myself a guaranteed hour of quiet time to do whatever. And, you know, honestly, I spent a lot of it just sitting quietly, listening to the clock tick, which sounds terrible, but it wasn't. It was so nice just to be quiet and have nowhere to go, nothing to do, not be asleep, but just be quiet. We have so little of that, and it was so nice. Even though it sounds absurd to sit and listen to a clock tick, it was actually refreshing. It really was. But anyways, I didn't do that the entire time. One of the things I did do, and this is relevant to what happened this morning, is on my desk is a biography of Blessed John Henry Cardinal Newman, uh, a great... You know, a favorite author of mine. Um, I did 
a big paper on him in seminary towards the MISTB. And so uh, thanks to the rector of the seminary, Paladinus, I've become a great uh, fan of Cardinal Newman. Lovely. But I, I, I've read this book twice through, actually. Read it once. It was so great. Read it again almost immediately. But then I'm going through it a third time and basically taking notes on it. Um, you know, lots, of, lots of the pages are underlined and notes written in the margins, that sort of stuff. I thought, you know what? To really bring this home, it would be good to uh, go through it a third time, partly as an excuse to go through it a third time, but to uh, basically make notes of this book. So I have a separate journal for that, because y'all know I like journals, and so working on that. But it honestly, it had sat, uh, sat still for, I don't know, probably two months since I'd worked on it last. Um, but as I'm sitting here quiet at my desk last night, I thought, you know what? Let me have a look at that. So I reached over and unburied it from some of the things that had gotten on top of it and began to browse through uh, both the book and the notes I had taken on the book. And and it was nice. Uh, even in just you know, the notes that I have are only in the first up to page 48, 48, 49 so far. It's an 800-page book, by the way. Um, but even those first, you know, in my journal, two pages of notes – uh, sort of some things transcribed and thoughts and ideas carried over. Even then, it was such a delight to discover, oh, wow, you know, this. his comments on this apply to that. And, you know, there's some things I've been thinking about, sort of the, the Protestant Catholic problems. And, oh, wow, here it is right here, um, an exactly applicable quote or an exactly applicable idea uh, from Cardinal Newman. And it, I was reminded, as I have been so many times before, yet some I managed to forget, just how applicable, just how um, important of a current thinker Cardinal Newman is in the sense that the things that he wrote about, the things that he talked about, the things that he hung his hat on, so to speak, though he would never want to be proud about it, the things that make him the important person that he is for the Catholic Church are topics that are very helpful for the current dialogue. He's, I won't go into it necessarily, but he has a very precise and helpful understanding really of, of human nature and how uh, philosophy, not in the academic sense, but just how, how we work philosophically, how we come to believe, you know, coming from a Protestant himself, he has, he has a certain from Protestant background to being Catholic. He has a very, very um, refined understanding of what it means to, uh, come to certainty of a new belief. And he does a very uh, rigorous and precise explanation of the various mindsets that make up the modern religious landscape. And so he's a very, very pertinent in days of um, Protestant Catholic dialogue and sort of the modern moral difficulties of how we navigate that in a Catholic way. Anyways, it was great to uh, rediscover what I already should have known, what I already have known many times, but I get busy so much. I forget uh, the great things that I've already, that I've already learned. I got to relearn them again. So it was wonderful to discover that last night. Oh yeah. Cardinal Newman. I should, you know, I should get back into working on that project of, of transcribing my notes from the book. Um, just as a way to to learn it again and go through it again. So that was last night. 
this morning, the reason I'm telling you about all this is I happened to catch, uh, just looking on Facebook, which is usually not a good idea, but this morning it happened to be news from Rome that blessed Cardinal Newman will soon be becoming Saint Cardinal Newman. It seems that the Holy Father has approved a second miracle. So first miracle uh, was for his beatification. Apparently, let's see, the first miracle, this is from the Catholic News Agency. The first miracle was a complete and inexplicable healing of a deacon from a disabling spinal condition. So just for those unfamiliar with how it works, miracles that count for canonization, they're very rigorously investigated, and there has to be uh, no medical explanation for it. So basically the secular doctor said, we don't know how this happened. So the church is comfortable then concluding that it is a miracle. The second miracle that the Pope, that Pope Francis approved uh, to make his canonization possible involved uh, the healing of, an Amer- of a pregnant woman from America. It doesn't actually specify what the healing was, but uh, she had a, a life-threatening diagnosis, and her doctors have been unable to explain why she was able to suddenly recover. You know, not, not you know, she had cancer, went into remission kind of thing, but severe medical condition, suddenly gone, no medical explanation. She had been praying to Cardinal Newman, and it seemed very clear that his intercession is the cause for her curing. That is, for her having been cured. And so... Uh, that was a, a delightful coincidence that uh, last night, I, because of this you know, movement of the heart, you might even say, to spend some time in, in contemplation, that thing that I've been so missing uh, when I could easily have fallen, just fallen into bed, to see that, to ha- or to have that experience, to rediscover this theologian, this writer that I am so fond of, and next morning to discover that, oh, he's being canonized. To me, that seems like a, uh, the timing of that seems like a, an affirmation of, hey, dive back into him because this is important. This is the thing that you need to be thinking about. So that was a nice surprise blessing, a nice a surprise coincidence. Another one, again, happened just this morning. It's been a good 24 hours or so. Uh, you know, I don't, there's something that happened um, at the Bible study or related to the Bible study that I go to on Wednesday mornings here with a couple of guys from the parish. Uh, I don't remember if it was last night or this morning. Some point is, is either as I was going to bed or waking up this morning. I had the thought that, you know, we, we, we go over the readings, but why don't we also pray Liturgy of the Hours? It's the prayer of the people, priests like myself and religious are vowed to pray it every day, but it's not just for us. It's for everybody. It's the prayer of the people. You know, we're all supposed to be praying uh, throughout the day. Collegiate of the Hours is something that I've uh, been thinking to uh, expand. You know, basically, when I go places, I'm with you know, people's house for dinner, I often suggest, hey, how about we pray Liturgy of the Hours? Uh, and almost everyone's like, oh, that was so cool. Like, basically, why don't we do that more often? So, uh, I had the thought, you know, why don't we why don't we open our Bible study with morning prayer from Liturgy of the Hours? We already use our phones to look up the Sunday Mass readings. We already use the iBreviary app to look up the readings. Why don't we use the iBreviary app for the breviary? It's almost made me laugh when I thought it was like, well, why don't we use the app 
for what it was primarily for and not just for a secondary purpose of the readings, though that's also a good purpose. So I had that thought. I'm going to talk to the guys about Liturgy of the Hours this morning. Um, so just kind of had that idea on the shelf. Get there. Um, guys are already there talking. I didn't get a chance to bring it up immediately. There happens to be, um, I think one of the other guys invited him at some point, a Protestant friend of theirs named Don, nice guy, and he brings lots to the conversation. Um, you know, he has a different, I don't want to say different interpretation of scripture. It's not the right thing, but you know, Protestants have um, a, just a different lens to look through at scripture. Um, they often contribute, honestly, very good things to a biblical discussion just because, you know, kind of come, up, come at it from a different angle. And so I, not a problem with any of the things he was contributing to, uh, you know, the commentary and the readings, all very good stuff. Um, you know, nothing uh, contradictory or problematic from a Catholic standpoint, just a different angle that we might not have thought of. Um, but towards the end, we would finished talking about the readings, but then uh, he was sharing with kind of a, a subset of the, of the table there, just uh, myself and one of the other guys who was next to us, um, about how he had recently uh, been, see, he had looked up ways to incorporate prayer more into your daily life. And um, one of the things that he had come up that he had heard about, I didn't, I didn't catch the exact uh, process by which he came to this, but uh, one of the things he had recently started working on was doing uh, morning prayer, daytime prayer, and evening prayer. You know, he had the Anglican uh, Book of Common Prayer, but basically, uh, I, I kind of chuckled as I realized that he had discovered Liturgy of the Hours. Uh, you know, he was using uh, the, the Anglican form, which is fine because they all came from the same place. You know, it was all all the Catholic form before Henry VIII showed up. And so the Anglican Book of Prayer is actually pretty darn similar to the breviary we have now. Obviously, some things are different, not strictly interchangeable. But when you're just praying from Scripture and praying the Psalms, it's pretty much the same deal. A little bit different structure, but uh, more or less the same. So it was another one of those seemingly divine coincidences that happened to work out very well. Uh, now, that I think, now that I think about it, the actual process to get around to that was a bit interesting because we had been talking about, let's see, the gospel today, or, well, the gospel we read today that happens on Sunday was about, takes place by the, sea, by, the Sermon on the Plain. So I showed them pictures of Galilee. And then one of the other guys in the group showed a video by a Franciscan priest talking about it was just a reflection on that gospel. I said, oh, hey, a Franciscan, you know, they're in charge of lots of churches in the Holy Land. But then, so I explained about that, uh, you know, churches in Galilee, like the one on the Mount of Beatitudes is run by Franciscans. But then he said, well, what's a Franciscan? And so then I explained, oh, well, sorry, you know, forgot you probably wouldn't know. Uh, religious orders, there are Carmelites and Dominicans and Jesuits and Benedictines. And he said, oh, Benedictines. I've heard of Benedictines. And he'd heard of Benedictines because he had gotten into Liturgy of the Hours, which was not not invented by them. Maybe that's not the right word to put it, but um, 
primarily practiced by them. You know, the Benedictines are the ones whose charism is daily prayer, is frequent daily prayer via the Liturgy of the Hours. So we got from Galilee to Franciscans via the Gospel to different religious orders to Benedictines to Liturgy of the Hours, which he had been discovering, which I had thought just a few hours beforehand to bring up that morning, but yet there it gets brought up from the Protestant guy of its own without me even bringing it up at all. I said, you know what? This is seems seems like the way things ought to be in the sense that I'm very sure we have to be doing Liturgy of the Hours now uh, because of the way this came up in such a um, circuitous, almost comically divine way uh, where you couldn't have planned it at all. Another unplanned kind of divine coincidence from this morning. Uh, same same sort of conversation at, at the coffee shop. Um, but again, there's sort of the two set one one group. I forget how we got onto it, but we were talking about incorrupt saints, um, Vincent de Paul, uh, Catherine Labore. There's a whole bunch of them, and two of myself and two of the Catholic guys on one side were talking about that. But then on the other side. Uh, the the Protestant gentleman and, and the other guy, the other Catholic guy that was there, they were talking. I think still about the Franciscans, and you mentioned, of course, Saint Francis himself, and then uh, the I think Doctor John mentioned Claire of Assisi, Francis's friend, who is an incorrupt saint, and so it kind of made me chuckle too that that eventually both conversations got around to talking about incorrupt saints. So then the Protestant and the Catholic were then talking about incorrupt saints. Uh, but then uh, I actually had, we all kind of had to realize we had to leave what, realize what time it was, it had to go. Um, so it was uh, a very good morning in terms of God showing up in coincidences. Now, none of these are, you know, absolute proof that, you know, the angels had their hands mixed into our conversation. Um, but they also, there's no reason to, to, to disregard it either. Uh, it doesn't have to be simply random chance that these things happened. Uh, you know, that's kind of one of the mysteries of the way God works is that it, it's very infrequently, you know, a great billboard flashing from heaven. You don't see clouds spelling out divine commands. But these sorts of uh, positive affirmations I think go a long ways. And if we learn to pay attention to what that is, if we learn to pay attention to God's workings in that kind of way, to be, to be available to the movements of his grace, we might say, uh, then it becomes very easy to discover God's action to, do, to even to discover uh, what God is calling us to do. So I wanted to share those godly coincidences, not random chances, I don't think, but um, little moments, little blessings that were um, meant to teach a lesson. So um, hope that wasn't too long-winded. I've, I've got almost 20 minutes, um, but hope you found that interesting. Hope that was, hope that you can maybe learn to look out for those things and um, not think them as just, oh, that was weird, um, but maybe even ask, all right, Lord, that was a poignant note. Uh, help me to do something with it. So thanks for listening, and God bless.